0: we're live and we're rolling and this is The Real Venture. I'm your co-host, Peyton. And I am your co-host, Luke, and we are entering the world of business by starting a few companies of our own. So we decided to create this podcast as a platform so that we could ask other successful entrepreneurs the questions that we need answered in order to help our business grow. Every single week we are joined by CEOs, venture capitalists, artists, co-founders, and influencers all with one thing in common young entrepreneurs. The only thing I'm going to need you to do is hit that subscribe button below so you never miss a conversation. Every single Wednesday, Luke and I are going to be right here and we can't wait for you to join us. All right, Megan, thank you so much for, for hopping on today. Why don't we just start by you telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: love this question i feel like i'm
0: it's 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 the hardest easiest question ever
1: (laughs) yes it definitely is it it's so wide which direction do i want to take it so a little bit about me emphasis on a little stop me if i'm talking too long so I grew up in Houston, Texas, the sweatiest place because we have really high humidity. And I um, grew up in a family where all of my siblings are my very best friends still still to this day. Um, there are four of us within five years. Bless my mom's heart. She's amazing. Uh, my dad has always been in the financial world and grew up around that that world for a long time. He's always been an investor or he was the CEO of a mutual fund company for a long time. And when I was at the end of high school, my dad decided he was going to be an entrepreneur. And I, honest to goodness, don't think I knew what an entrepreneur was. I still don't know if I even say that word right. You know, the really fancy people say like entrepreneur. I can't even do it. They say it.
0: Entrepreneur. entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I just say it really fast. So no one knows. Um, He decided that he was going to start his own business. And at the time, I was like, that's so cool. I didn't realize how big of a decision that was. But now as an adult, I'm like, oh, my goodness, like you have four kids. That's a big decision. He started his own business. And that was kind of where I first got exposure to this idea of being creative in a business context. And so my senior year, I headed off to Texas A&M because I'm a brainwashed Aggie. And both of my parents were Aggies and all of my siblings are Aggies. And believe it or not, they did not force us to take that route. This is a side note, but I actually was signed up, ready to go to Belmont University in their songwriting program i was one of like 20 people in that program and i was headed that way i was gonna be going to music school in nashville tennessee and last minute i think it was like february i pivoted and i was like i'm gonna go to texas AM. hard left turn so glad i did it but just crazy that i ended up doing that uh um,
0: trading trading broadway for uh for northgate <laughs>
1: oh my goodness yeah <laughs> that's a hard left turn for sure yeah um yeah so i I went to Texas A&M and when I got there, I've always kind of been the person that is like, okay, what's next? Now I'm going to run this thing. So when I got there, I immediately was like looking for things to, to, kind of just be creative and to lead. And you can't really do that your freshman year. And so I was humbled. I took part in a lot of different organizations and I just learned a lot. I'm going to circle back to this later in my story. Um, But then ended up in college getting to lead a a ministry, actually a 501c3 um, called Impact Retreat. And I um, was responsible for leading this. It's like a 1500 person summer retreat. And through that, I got exposure to like Hiring, firing, recruiting, like managing a business, all these things. But I didn't even really know that's what I was doing at the same time. That is when I met my husband, which was amazing. Now, did I go on a date with him and then reject him and then circle back two years later? Yes, I did. But story for another time. (laughs) Um, But that is kind of where I got my first taste of like, this is what it'd be like to, to build and scale something that I love and I'm passionate about and i don't even think i realized i was doing that at the time but i was like wow this is so much fun i'm in my thrive zone give me a microphone all day long put me on a stage i am thriving i love i loved it and then when i graduated right back to ground zero right you're like humbled you You just got to take a job. Well, I got connected to an accelerator type. I think they call themselves a creative engine, but it's called Praxis. It's for faith driven um, or it's for redemptive entrepreneurship. I was kind of connected into that community in college. I just stayed in touch with some of their team members. And I interned with one of the companies in their accelerator called Will Reed. Um, At the time, I think we would have said we were a tech sales recruiting company. And the founder was an Aggie and she was not that much older than me. Her name is Paige. Page to completely change my life. Um, I interned with them between my junior and senior year. And then following my senior year, she offered me to join full time and I did. And I'll never forget, I, I showed up, it was June 20th. I was freshly out of Texas A&M. And um, that week, she there was about four people at the company. She worked in Houston, the rest of us worked in Dallas. She invited me to her parents' house in Dallas. And I was like, oh, this is intimate. Cool. And we sat down and she said, so want to let you know, uh, everyone else is actually going to be leaving the company <laughs> except for like me and you. And I think one other guy stayed for a little while too. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't malicious at all. It was just like truly timing things. Like one girl was getting married. One gr- guy has taken on another venture or something like that. But it, at the end of that conversation, I was like a few weeks into this job. It was just me and the CEO. And then one other guy who was kind of on his way out as well. Um, And I was like, oh, okay, great. And I'd been hired to be a marketing coordinator at this startup because I'd chosen to do marketing because that's what you choose when you're not really sure what you want to do in the business world. And, (laughs) sorry, still in marketing. Um, And I mean, for six months, it ended up being basically me and Paige uh, trying to build this. And at the time, I didn't think like it was, anything like crazy but looking back I'm like wow I don't I don't know why I didn't think like this some red flags here I guess that everyone is gone um but it it wasn't any red flags it turned out to be one of the best experiences of my entire life but I did everything in that in that company as a startup I mean you know you are coming from the world of startup too you just have to do what comes to you so I ordered us snacks on Amazon, but I also was on all of our sales calls. I went to an in-person, one of our first clients was Qualtrics right before they were like really (laughs) becoming a big thing. And I had no idea who they were. And I remember I drove to the office with my CEO and I showed up, I'm like 21 years old and I show up to this office and I didn't even realize we were doing like a sales pitch and a sales call. And I just smiled the whole time we were there, we closed it, I left. And then now looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, we closed Qualtrics before they were bought by SAP. We also closed AppDynamics, we closed MongoDB. I did not do this. My CEO, Paige, she's amazing, she did this. But I got to be a part of all of that. And through yeah. all of this, I'm like catching the entrepreneurial energy. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is so much fun. I'm working crazy hours, like, you know, you wake up really early and you're like, okay, let's do this, and you stay up really late. And I'm like, this is addicting, I love it so much. Then I fast forward five years later, and we're still doing that. We we've scaled the business, and now I've moved completely. I mean, at the beginning, I was doing sales, recruiting anything that I could get my hands on. Um, but then at the end, I truly was doing the head of marketing and branding um, at the end of the business. And we had partnerships with some of the big VCs in the Bay Area. We were pretty focused now on doing seed stage, go to market recruiting for. Uh, series A, seed stage, go-to-market recruiting for these companies, sales recruiting. So it was a really specific niche, but it is what worked for us. And um, yeah, I would say like that experience working at Will Reed was like foundational to who I am as a person today, but also why I love what I do in the entrepreneurial world. Um, and Paige Robinson, my CEO, is like one of the biggest impacts on my life. She's incredible, amazing. I learned so much from her. And then... I felt an urge to try something new at the end of, uh, 2020. And I, in this, in the midst of all this, I, I got married in the middle of COVID and honestly that was the best day ever. I, I will advocate for a small wedding all day long. Um, and (laughs) I was just like, so many things were entering into my life that were changing my focus from being solely on career. And I had to like pause and be like, what am I, what am I chasing right now? Am I, what am I seeking after? And, um, at the end of 2020, I was like, I think I just need a new, a new path. Like I need to try something new. I talked to my CEO. I was like, you know, I think, I think it's time for me to leave. And and she was like, I don't, I don't think so though. And I was like, but I think so. But she was amazing about it. And she like helped me think about other options. And she was like, but let me fight for you. And I was like, okay. But at the same time, I think, I think it was probably for the best for everyone too. Cause at this point my I, energy had, had dwindled towards the end. And, um, I got connected to Faith Driven Entrepreneur, that community, and I ended up joining as their first. Actually, I think they probably laugh about this, but I, I, they didn't have a marketing person. And I was like, you should have a marketing person and it should be me. And I sent them a whole deck and I was like, hire me. I think I'm the right fit.
0: That That's a great pitch. <laughs> right? Right. Like identifying that and be like, hey, you guys have this gap and I'm the one that's going to fill it. It's a great way to get hired.
1: Oh, I fully believe anytime I hear people like want a job and they're like, ah, oh, but I don't think it's going to work out. I'm like, it can work. Yeah. It, but my family always laughs at me, too, because whenever I see people running like track, I'm like, just run faster. And they're like, that's not how it works. I'm like, you can win if you yeah. run faster. That's the answer. And they're like, no, no. But that's kind of how I view a lot of things. But yeah, so I ended up joining their team. And then this last summer, after getting that experience, building out their marketing and branding for FDE and FDI um, and getting to do that for Will Reed, I was like, I think I could do this for like a lot of other people. And I think there's a sweet spot of where people either don't want to spend $150,000 on a marketing agency, and they're not really ready to hire their first full-time marketing person, but they need, like, some support. And then I launched my business, Brightly. So that was a really long-winded way to say how I got to where I am today. But, um, yeah, all those experiences kind of, like, turned, culminated into this, like, one moment where I was like, you know, I think I this is what I love to do. I love being creative and strategic, and um, I, I can, like, form my own dream job and also be an entrepreneur great let's do it so yeah
0: yeah no no one of the one of the things that you said really early on that like really caught my attention was the fact that you know kind of when you're when your dad was was moving into the entrepreneurial world and you realized that it was an opportunity to be creative and you know figure out a a way to you know approach a solution or a problem I think that the creative side of entrepreneurship sometimes gets dwindled by the, just like, oh, you know, this is a business and you got to think businessy, but like you have to be creative in your approach. You have to, you know, that's how new businesses are formed, right? It's a creative adaptation to the way something's done or or a problem. So why don't you just talk a little bit about your creative approach when it comes to business? Because obviously it sounds like it started at a really young age.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think just being someone who has been creative musically my whole life and um, Mm. like artistically, I've never, I wouldn't have put myself in like the artsy category to be honest, but um, I think I've always wanted to be creating something like creating. I'm a showman. I like love presentation and I want everything to be showy and fun and engaging. And so I, I I think that energy translated into wanting to be an entrepreneur because an entrepreneur is constantly creating. Like even if it's not the most fun mm-hmm. thing you're creating, you do have to be creative in just your strategic decisions. So like I don't know, I'm just, I'm working with a company right now and they're figuring out how to set up their payment for their SaaS subscription that they're building they're like do we want to do like a choose what you pay model for our early beta users and and like the creativity that goes into that is it it's immense like you need a lot of creativity you can't you can't just be like okay this is the way we're going i think the best entrepreneurs are the ones that can throw around a lot of ideas and can still figure out which ones are the good ones and which ones are the bad ones and then actually go to, I mean, obviously it takes a lot to be an entrepreneur, but to be able to like sift through which of these ideas are good or not. And I think that's also the perk of having a co-founder someone to tell you that's a terrible idea.
0: Oh, Oh, a hundred percent. You know, that's, that's funny that you kind of talk about somebody going through some, some pricing strategy struggles because that's something that we're on right now um we you know i think that it is this is i guess the creative side of me i think that an opportunity to win new business to be different is actually within the way you price your product yeah um especially when you're going in to disrupt a old industry and and they have a very set way of doing it coming in with like a completely revolutionary new payment process and and pricing strategy is a great way to pull people away and and bring them in and but also at the same time like I don't know what that looks like yeah so like that's that's what I like stare at the ceiling at night and think (laughs) about because I'm like how can I price something differently and like so like I I love that and, and it makes me feel better that other people are thinking of that too
1: well that's one of the um I think it used to be the four P's of marketing, but I think there's like seven P's now that they teach at school. Uh, but that's one of them, price, because it's truly marketing. Like pri- pricing your product or your service is a big part of marketing. It's how you're gonna get your name out to the to the world. If it's-
0: and, and, and it can stop somebody from even looking into your product. Like also like even from a marketing standpoint, like we were thinking about the way we display pricing. Yeah, Like we don't want to show it because it, for one of our products, it's a really big number. And like, um, we don't necessarily want people to just see that on the internet and be like, no, that's not what I want to do. But like, they need to know the pricing because it's important. So like, how do you creatively display that? Like it's, it's, it's hard. so
1: hard to know when to start talking about pricing, but sometimes it also is like a tool in your tool belt to like reject customers that aren't a fit. So like, Mm -hmm. you might be like well this is my price i my husband's in sales too and every once in a while like here's something like that for a moment not about pricing but an early ripcord is what we called it when i was in sales recruiting if you can like find a way to like disqual help the customer disqualify themselves early on then that's like a really good way to obviously like use your time efficiently and pricing is a really good way to do that because there's a lot of times where people aren't in your market and it's just not a good fit which it's hard to learn early on as an entrepreneur because you're kind of just wanting to say yes to like everything you're like yes I can absolutely help you because you don't want people to think you're incompetent and you also just want to have wins under your belt but it's just not a good not a good strategy so
0: (laughs) no no I, I feel that on a, on a deep level yeah. um, <laughs> the the other thing that you kind of uh, touched on a little bit that I thought was interesting is a, a lot of your early experience came from you working with a nonprofit right mm-hmm. um, the um, what, what was the name of the impact yes mm-hmm. so I, I think nonprofits are are a very unique thing to think about because everybody just thinks like nobody really thinks of them as businesses sometimes, but in reality, they are full fledged businesses. They take a creative mind. Um, you have to run them efficiently, and you know they have to be a well run business in order to uh, in order to survive. Especially when you're working off donations, yeah. and you know people are are paying it. Like you have to manage the money efficiently. You have to figure out ways for it to generate revenue to keep it alive. Like talk a little bit about your experience with that because I think that that's a unique perspective. Yeah. in the world of entrepreneurship,
1: that's something. I don't see myself operating a nonprofit hardly ever. And maybe that's just narrow minded of me now. I, my last job, Faith Driven Entrepreneur, that was a nonprofit, actually. It's a 501c3. Um, and I caught my start a nonprofit. So I don't know why. I, in my head, I don't think of myself as a nonprofit person. But I will say, like that space, a lot of times is, I don't know what it is, but it's, har- it's harder to run a run it like a business. And I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of different things that go into that. And I never want to disparage a nonprofit. Obviously they're doing it.
0: Why why is it hard?
1: I think you one, you attract a different kind of talent. So the person that is hungry, staying up till 3am, you're not going to often find that person at a nonprofit. That's not always true. I'm not trying to generalize it. But like those people are competitive. They want they're motivated by money. They're money motivated. You find them in sales and entrepreneurship a lot of times. Um, In nonprofits, you don't get paid a lot of money. Like most of the time you just you don't make a lot of money. And so and sometimes that's a really good thing because you have a little bit more of a life outside of your job. But at the same time, like the motivation to do things faster or more efficiently is, is less. That's not always the case, but it 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 can be the case. Now, what was different about my experience when I was at AM is we were a bunch of college students. So one, you don't like what even is your schedule in college? I don't even know how what I did in college. It's truly fascinating to think that I just like bopped around at like 2 p.m. during the day. Um, but you are hungry just to be alive. So I was motivated to like run a really efficient organization. I also had a team of other people that were really, really motivated as well. And so we were constantly trying to innovate and and make things better. And yeah, we have a limited budget, but you're scrappy when you're in college too. So it was like a perfect storm of, yeah, we were a nonprofit, but we were scrappy to figure stuff out. I mean, like I am the person that emails brands all the time. This is probably horrible because I'm in marketing, but I email brands all the time and I'm like, hey, like, what are the chances you could send me a gift card or something? Just because, like I do this all the time. I wrote a poem to Tiff Streets one year um, because I wanted to win this contest. And now we're like, we're like friends. I'm like really good friends with their brand. And then this is young me, I'm just hungry for like to get things done and to do things. So when you're in college and you have a nonprofit, it works. But the second that you take it out of that, you run at a little bit of a, a different pace than someone who's trying to f- scrape for revenue every every month. You know. Once again, I don't want to talk about about nonprofits. I hope that's clear. I think it's just a di- it's just yeah. different. What your end goal is yeah. is, is different.
0: Yeah. No, I. I- I agree. And I think that that, you know, to some entrepreneurs is a unique challenge that maybe excites them if, if there's a cause that they're passionate about and they can use their expertise on the scraping for revenue side of the business world and then kind of use it for good. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I like that transition and, and not everybody does it and it's hard to do, but, um, when it's done well, it's, uh, I've the, um, clean water. If you've ever, um, heard heard his story um he wrote a book called thirst and it is an incredible um i'm blanking on his name but it's an incredible book about how he kind of turned his um club promoter lifestyle that he lived in new york city to now providing clean water for as many people as he can and and took all of his like scrappy entrepreneurial skills and and turned it into a like the first subscription-based Nonprofit donation oh, that's um, awesome. fund, yeah, it, it, it's a great story. So yeah, I, I, I highly recommend that. that.
1: Like that, that is that is really cool, and a lot of people are doing that. I don't think I I do. Scott one,
0: Harrison is his name. Sorry, I just thought Scott of it. Harrison.
1: Scott Harrison. I will have to look that at. Yeah, I think that's so yeah, cool. Absolutely. Like I'm excited because I mean, obviously, this space of like really cool, sexy entrepreneurship is like still kind of new. I think like I don't think it was like as like cool back then. Um, so, I think it will transition over into the nonprofit space as well. But at the end of the day, I feel like a nonprofit is really mission driven. Um, and while businesses try, for profit businesses are trying to be that too, they have a revenue goal to meet. And so at the end of the day, they have to meet that revenue goal, whereas a nonprofit isn't as tied to that. So, you just have conflicting drivers of the business a lot of times. But if there was a way to like merge those to be really similar, that would be that would be awesome. Like if you could.
0: Yeah. The the idea of venture philanthropy, which is creating a, you know, an organization that is self-sustaining. Yeah. Um, I, it, I, I love that. And I would like to do that someday and, and talk about creativity to structure a mission driven organization that is still generating so much revenue. It's self-sustaining. Yeah. Um, that, that is like the ultimate challenge in my mind.
1: Yeah, that is. I, I don't even, I don't think I've ever thought about the rub there between mission and revenue because yeah that's that's just a really tough tough line to play even in like coming from the world of sales I I constantly had to deal with that when I was in recruiting and I was it probably made me a bad salesperson at times because I'd be like talking to someone and I knew I could close this candidate for this job but in my head I was like they're gonna hate this job and then I I just be like you're gonna hate this job I don't think you should work there. And I'm like, maybe that makes me a bad salesperson, but maybe it makes me a good person. And that's the one I want to be at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's dive into, uh, let's dive into Brightly a little bit, because like you said, I think it fills an incredible niche. And and as somebody that actually, you know, their business potentially like fits in that, I, I totally recognize the value that it brings. So you know, you touched on it earlier about kind of how it was the culmination of your career. But like, ultimately, what kind of led you to start your own business? Like, you know, we, we talk about it a lot on here that you kind of have to be crazy. So, you know, what's wrong with you? Why did you want to start your own business?
1: I, I think that this is probably not going to be the answer that other people would give. I kind of have a hot take on entrepreneurship. I think hot, entrepreneurship is oftentimes very like pat yourself on the back and you mm-hmm. like humble brag subtly a lot, like
0: a lot of humble brags. Yeah. Yes,
1: like maybe I'm just weird, but I just always thought that I would be an entrepreneur or something like that. Like, I just don't, don't want to yeah. be that. Um, and so my answer is not going to be cool, but like, I saw a need in the market, it aligned with my skill set. And i was like all right let's do it i i really enjoy what i do i think it's a it is a big need i see startups that i experienced this at will read for years we couldn't figure out um and this is just a part of startup life it's not unique to will read but we We couldn't figure out even just our like visual look or how we described ourselves or anything like that. And we spent just so much money on agencies and consultants and trying to figure this out. And I was like, gosh, there's got to be a better way to do this. And, And I think there is. I think you... I I just tell people this all the time. I think startup marketing does not need to be complicated. And that's kind of why I wanted to do this. I was like, don't go spend $250,000 on launching your first Webflow site for your brand when you can hire a really, really talented contractor and a marketing consultant like myself and build you one for a fraction of that cost. It doesn't need to be as complicated. And I was seeing people make those decisions left and right, and probably just because there are in a time crunch they need something quick and they don't know what's out there but um i i just felt passionately about that because i experienced spending that money and and not feeling like i got what i was paying for and then having to change it two weeks later because i worked at a startup so that's why i wanted to start this business and um you know i (laughs) once again not the coolest answer ever i this isn't the business that i would like push up a hill through my dying day. I've been passionate about it my whole life. And now all my dreams have culminated into Brightly. This isn't, this isn't that, this is my learning business. I'm like, I want to know what's going on. Like, let me talk to people. I want to have conversations with people like yourself, all the founders I've talked to, I've talked to so many founders. I've talked to so many VCs and I'm like, I am learning so, so much. And you know what, at the end of the day, I probably, this is probably not the business that I will like push until my dying day but I am learning and getting to do something I love and that is so so special to me whereas I feel like a lot of people are just so addicted to this idea of being an entrepreneur and speaking at TechCrunch and being in Forbes that they miss this opportunity to like really take to learn from really great people and sometimes I even kind of miss that I'm like I started my own business and now I don't have like a boss pouring into me and some of my like fondest memories are learning from my my managers and leaders at Faith Driven Entrepreneur and learning from my leaders at Will Reed, like Paige. And now I have to look elsewhere for that and I definitely can, but um, yeah, that was a long winded way to basically say, um, I didn't start this because I wanted to change the world, even though that's what a lot of people might tell you. I started this because I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn and I wanted to do something I love at the same time. And somehow I'm now doing what, like my actual dream job, which is so cool. And I'm not just saying that because we're on a podcast, like I actually love what I do every day.
0: Yeah, well that's that's important because I mean that's that's what should drive you at the end of the day. Um we I was talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about uh just the term wealth and and what that means and I think that that kind of gets misconstrued in the entrepreneurial community because there are so many billionaires and overnight successes and everybody's, you know, driving Ferraris and stuff like that and everybody thinks that that's what this is going to be like, but what you know, what he brought up um, was, you know, the person that makes fifty thousand dollars a year but gets to spend their money and time the exact way they want it is infinitely wealthier than somebody who makes five hundred thousand and is miserable and not doing what they love. And you know, I think that that's really powerful because, you know, it, it's kind of a matter of of perspective. So when you're in a situation where you are doing what you like and it's combined with you know your skill set, it's like the perfect culmination of of all of this and and I think that that's rare
1: yeah I think yeah I think we've really bought into this narrative as a culture that the if you beat yourself to death by working insane hours like you will be fulfilled and that is just not true because I don't I I don't know hardly anyone who is working 16 hour days and is like this is the best ever. Like the people I know that are entrepreneurs and are loving their life have really healthy walls. And honestly, I respect them more. And they have a thriving social life and they have thriving relationships with their um, spouse or kids or family, whatever. And that's the kind of entrepreneurship I want to see I I don't mm-hmm. this like frantic like I'm stressed and I'm drinking coffee at 2am because I have so much to do I'm like why also I'm gonna get on a pedestal for a second also why are we pretending like everything we are doing is like so urgent like we are Following thousands of years of people building and creating things. And yes, we're at the end of technology, but like this sense of like, if I don't do it now, then the world will, will suffer is like not always true. It's true about case, some yeah. things, but it's not always true. And it just puts yourself in like, it's a really selfish way to think because you're always going to be cheating someone, right? You working at mm-hmm. 2 a.m. is cheating someone. You're not. Like someone's suffering because you made that decision. Someone's losing out on those hours. It might be just you, but someone is losing out on those hours because you're choosing to work. And there are seasons where you do need to work a lot. And I went through those seasons too. And my husband works crazy hours. And I'm so proud of him for it. But all that to say, I just, when the, when the vision becomes more important than like a fulfilled life with the people around you and honestly just still loving your work, it, that's when entrepreneurship is just sad. That's sad entrepreneurship. <laughs>
0: What do you what do you think is the biggest challenge that faces the modern entrepreneur? Pride. Pride.
1: I think yeah, I think pride. I think if you stop listening and stop being kind, then why? Like why are why are you even doing it? Why would you dedicate your life to something where at the end of the day you're not Helping anyone, and I don't know. I just, I think I know. This is a side note, but working at Next Coast Ventures, they're just them. They're such a humble team. They ask so many questions. They're so kind to everyone, and that has honestly been a new experience to me which is sad in the world of venture capital um and I, and I've met a lot of amazing people in venture capital as well but just the like the ethos of their team being like kind and humble is not something you see a lot in the in the tech scene because at the end of the day it, people just want to talk about themselves and how they're changing the world and I think the most incredible entrepreneurs are the ones that are thinking about are true are genuinely fascinated in other people people and how what they're building is impacting other people not them um and i struggle with this too this is probably why it's on my mind i'm like innately prideful and innately selfish and Mm -hmm. i think i constantly have to be asking myself like when i'm talking to this person am i really just trying to talk about me or am i genuinely fascinated in what they have to say am i genuinely open to hearing other people's ideas that might be better than my own Am I open to saying my original idea was stupid? I'm glad you said that. It was stupid and I take that criticism well. I think a humble entrepreneur and a humble leader is is one of the greatest to work for and can have more impact on people than than we could ever imagine. If all entrepreneurs were were that way, that would be so cool.
0: I think I think it's it kind of gets overshadowed but the the effects that you know somebody trying to think of the best way to articulate this, but like uh, people that do their job the right way, the the entrepreneurs that are humble and set pride aside, like they impact so many more people than they realize. Right. You know, in not only, you know, is their business well run and is impactful in, in that regard, but the people that surround them, you know, kind of like you know, you're up, you're upbringing through the entrepreneurial world. You were touched by so many great mentors and, and leaders, and like that had an effect on you, and mm-hmm. they had an effect on their community. And I think that sometimes people forget that their actions run much deeper than just the business.
1: Yeah, I think like a few weeks ago, uh, I'm working with a company that is like in stealth mode right now. Um, and I was on a call with the the co-founders, and they're amazing guys. They're so nice and so funny. And one of them seemed a little bit off, but I didn't really think anything of it. And honestly, some of this is just oblivion. I sometimes I'm just oblivious. My feelings, I they don't get hurt very often because I don't know someone's trying to hurt my feelings. Um, and so I got off the call and I was like, oh, he was busy. He just seemed a little off today. Well, a few hours later, I got a message on Slack from him and it was a long paragraph and it was like hey megan i just want to sincerely apologize if i came off like rash in our conversation earlier it, it was basically just like a long message that was just the definition of humility and nobody has ever and at the end he he asked for my forgiveness and nobody I've never experienced that to be totally honest. It was like, it was really cool at the same. time, I was kind of sad. I was like, wow, I have never experienced this. I wish I had, but it was really cool. Cause I was like, that's the kind of leader that like in the future, I imagine how much more grace I'm going to have for him. Imagine how much more like respect mm-hmm. and like, who am I going to want to fight for down the road? The person that like was humble enough to come to me and ask for an apology. And I'll be honest with you. I cried out of happiness. I told my husband, I was like reading out loud to Brandon, my husband. And I was like, look what he just said to me. I was like, this is amazing. No one's ever done this. I probably sent him like an overly emotional response back. But I was just like really, really impressed. And I wanted him to know. I was like, that can be life changing for an employee to receive yeah. a message like that. And um, my, my previous CEO at Will Reed Page, she often did that she would schedule meetings with me just to say sorry and I was like that is the kind of leader I want to be now do I do that even in my own marriage to my husband no so my track record is not awesome I always want to be the first to say I'm sorry and I'm always the last <laughs> but I, I like it sets this incredible bar and this incredible example of like just being willing to say sorry and that's so countercultural. cultural like no one no one does that and I don't know. If you want to build a different culture for your company, like, wow, you just doing that will be a story that you tell on a podcast. Like that is truly amazing, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and, and like you said, it, it could change an employee's life. And and ultimately at the end of the day, like the biggest investment you would make is going to be in your employees and your team. And, and we've, you know, in, we've learned that as we build out our own businesses, like it's a massive like financial investment, but it's also like, a huge cultural investment because this person is going to have a massive impact on other people. And you want to make sure it's the right person to begin with. And that, that's, you know, that's hard to do. And it's, it's, it's a lengthy process, but it's, it's like well worth it and, and worth your time and, and worth your, your energy. Megan, the, the, the last question that I want to ask is, you know, kind of throughout this entire conversation, we've kind of been building to it, but just simply, why are you an entrepreneur?
1: Oh gosh. Okay. Why am I an entrepreneur? I mean, I wish I could give you some like really beautiful, well-thought-out answer, but I think...
0: No, we, we want it raw <laughs> and, and honest and transparent.
1: I mean, I'm still figuring it out. If my answer is, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think... I don't know why I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm inclined to believe that we're all entrepreneurs in our own way. Aren't oh. we all creatives in our own way. And maybe because I'm doing this in the workplace, I get the official title of entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. But my mom is an entrepreneur. She does. She's a stay-at-home mom. And she is entrepreneuring at home every single day. And um, my sister, who was a teacher for years, I would consider her an entrepreneur. I think, I don't know, maybe it, it diminishes the term entrepreneur. But I, I truly think that we're all so creative and we have the capacity to create and create something that flourishes in this world. And I'm doing mine in corporate America or startup America. And so now I, I'm an entrepreneur, but um, I think all of us have the capacity and the call and the ability to create something that makes the world a little bit better and moves from chaos to order. And I'm just doing what I was made to do, I think. And I think all of us could do that. I, I don't think I'm special. I think we're all entrepreneurs in the places that we've been placed, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I love that answer because that I think that that culminated nicely kind of matching your you know genuineness as a person and, and just kind of the way that you've, you know, all of your experiences. I think that that is the perfect answer to why you're an entrepreneur for you. I think that, that was perfect. So love that. Megan, thank you so much for, for coming on today. Where can people learn more about you, more about Brightly? Plug those socials, websites, whatever you got.
1: Yeah. My website is meetbrightly.com and it is marketing and venture capital or marketing for startups and venture capital firms. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram or find me on my personal LinkedIn, which is Megan Lance.
0: Beautiful. All right, Megan, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's great talking to you, Peyton.
0: All right, guys, Uh, if you want to continue this discussion, follow us on our social media, our Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebooks will all be in the description of this episode. Hop on there, shoot us a DM, hit us up with whatever concerns, questions, comments that you guys have. We'd love to continue building that community on there. Next, subscribe to wherever you're listening to this, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Overcast, you name it, we got it. And the only other thing I'm going to add is... As you're subscribing to those platforms, hop on there, give us rates and reviews, especially on Apple podcasts, five star ratings and a uh, and, and a comment go a really long way. Helps us continue to to climb up the charts and you know continue to to spread this to to all corners of the world and allow us to continue to bring on great guests. We really appreciate you guys for everything and we're excited to see you next week.